What's up, guys? It's your girl, WWE Superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE Superstar Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to The Masked Man Show. And you are listening to The Masked Man Show. And you're listening to The Masked Man Show. Special edition of the Masked Man Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Today, we're not talking about wrestling. We're talking about the sport of kings and the biggest fight in the history of mankind. Floyd Mayweather Jr. versus Conor McGregor happening this Saturday. I got a very special guest on the phone. Chuck Mendenhall is going to tag in later on. But right now, Brian Campbell of CBS Sports. How you doing, man? Doing great. This guy, David Shoemaker, the maker of fine footwear. This is like to, to wrestling fans out there. This is kind of like a special treat. I don't think we've, we've, you know, spoken together on an, on an audio <laughs> format of this ilk. A you lot know. Of, yeah. Most people listening to this may or may not know that I was once on a podcast called cheap heat talking pro wrestling. And, uh, and I, when I left to come to the ringer, Brian, Brian was my, uh, Brian was my stunt double for a while. So, um, and then and, until he, Sam- if you will right <laughs> yeah I, sammy hagar i mean that's that that's a that's high praise man and, and you deserve it um but you know over at cbs right now you are you are personally going basically wall to wall writing about mcgregor mayweather or mayweather mcgregor whichever way you want to put it um i gotta say that the the fight i mean the 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 tenor of the uh excitement about the fight seems to be a few degrees down from when it was announced but I'm guessing on the ground there in Las Vegas, it's it's uh, it's pretty exciting. Tell me about it, man. It's weird. There's almost it is exciting. First of all, I mean, you're in Vegas for such a a once in a generation event, and I say that for real. It's like when do you ever get personalities this large? Not to mention the fact that they're from separate sports, separate skin colors, separate everything. Like this is a real interesting, unique event. There's this weird calm before the storm right now in Vegas. You saw that at the pr- final press conference yesterday, which was like it was like everybody took a vow beforehand. It was like so relaxed and basic, almost as if she like we sold this fight already. That four day international press tour where we tried to essentially offend every potential consumer into buying this fight. We've already done the legwork. Now let's focus on the fact that for all the pageantry, this is actually a real fight on Saturday night. And it's a weird vibe because if you try to compare it just two years ago to like that fight of the century, Mayweather Pacquiao, it was a crazy Vegas week and it was almost an angry Vegas week because fans were so longing for that fight that the, the feeling was like, you better entertain me. We better get our money's worth or else where this fight, it's almost like I'm just buying a ticket to the circus. I know something wild's going to happen. I just want to be a part of this. Yeah, I mean, that that seems to be that seems to be the perception from where I'm sitting, too. I mean, I was uh, I, I was I was I actually went to a, a taping of Conan O'Brien last week because my buddy Dan St. Germain was a comic who did a set and and they had and, and uh, McGregor was was on via satellite. And the most bizarre thing about it was that he was just very low key and very humble and just sort of just the the easy grin that he had on his face when he was like laughing at Conan's jokes was really kind of unsettling in a way because it's not the McGregor that I'm used to. I mean, certainly not from, you know, all the promotion for this fight, but even even in his more, you know, 
reserved periods in UFC after his loss. Like what? Like he he was never he was never this laid back. And it, it, I don't know if it's him. If I mean, is it them? Is it is it that he just knows at this point he has to sell the legitimacy and the sort of normalcy of the fight as opposed to just the the hype? It's weird. It's a weird spot for both fighters. Like it's like Floyd had to go over time in trying to present that this there's some real danger in here when in like his heart of hearts, he wouldn't have come out of retirement if this wasn't a a high reward, low risk Super Bowl for him. Right. And Connor, it's been like he spent a really good deal of time presenting, I think, the most valuable aspect of his skill set to the idea that he can win this fight. And that's that he's crazy enough to actually pull it off. That's that he's got this mystic Mac side to his legacy. That's almost scary. The fact that he can call his own shots and fights that he's the underdog and then follow through to like the exact prediction of when he, I mean, look, he said he was going to knock out Jose Aldo, which was the guy that was like, okay, Connor's fun to watch but I don't believe in him. Aldo will prove that he's just a myth, that he's just a marketer. And then he knocked Aldo out with one punch on the chin, which is exactly what he said he would do. So he's, he's taken that sort of like sorcery, that cosmic connection with like something outside of just his hands and feet. And he's brought it into this fight, but I almost feel like he jumped the shark a little bit. Originally he said, I'm going to knock out Floyd in four rounds and right. You know, your reaction is okay. You're probably not, but, I can't disregard you completely because I've seen you do crazier things than or not crazier, but I've seen you do crazy things and say crazy things and back it up. Then when the glove size changed, he said, I'm going to knock him out in one. Then two days ago, he said, I'm going to knock him out in 10 seconds. It was that moment, Shu, where I'm like, oh, I think he's ready to cash this check. Like, I didn't get the same feeling like he irrationally believes in himself to a level that none of us do. That's why he's the only person that can win this fight when the odds are so high against him. It almost like he showed a little bit too much to me. Yeah. I I, I hear you on that. I mean, I think what a lot of people, you know, forget or, or, or don't recognize is that because UFC is just such a, like a myth-making machine, McGregor was, you know, like by, by any metric, an underdog in the very recent past. I mean, the guy was signed in a parking lot, you know, I mean, it was, he was, he was just a mouth who, you know, had, had fought a couple of fights and, and, and he made his own star in the UFC in, in just meteoric fashion. So you're right when you say that he's like overcome odds, you know, it's easy to, it's easy just to look at a, you know, his, his highlight reel on YouTube and, uh, and, 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 and not digest how shocking some of those wins were. Um, but you mentioned the glove weight. This is, you know, as a, as a fight fan, I I can barely wrap my mind around this as a pro wrestling fan. I just keep looking for like, I I keep trying to piece together the storyline here. Uh, Am I, was it that, did it begin with, with McGregor kind of just like mentioning he wished he had lighter gloves and Mayweather saying, let's just do it. Or, I mean, how, how did, I mean, I, 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 I thought this was like an eight ounce glove was basically illegal in, in Las Vegas. Like how, how did this happen? Well, eight ounce gloves are used at 147 pounds and below and Floyd for the most of his career fought at 47. So when the fight was agreed to 154, it seemed like it was con- a concession toward McGregor initially because it doesn't mean he has to cut down to 47 where recently in the UFC McGregor's the champion at 155, but no, Floyd doesn't do concessions. So the more you realize you research that you realize, Oh, at 154 and above in Las, you know, in Nevada, boxing matches have to have a one, a, a 10 ounce glove. So it started to make sense. Floyd is taking away 
every possible avenue for a Connor victory, even down to adding two ounces to the top of his fist to lower the chance of a one punch knockout. Obviously that changed. You got to ask yourself what changed. Did Floyd think that was he too annoyed at Connor constantly bringing up the gloves? Could be. Did Floyd think, hey, it's been a slow week a couple weeks ago in terms of of pushing this fight? Maybe if I float this headline out there that people will think, oh, Connor has more of a chance for a victory now if we change the glove size. We'll add more pay-per-views on the end to it. We'll get paid more. That's possible. But there's also this reality, the reality that Floyd you know, got legitimate Intel. Vegas is a small town in the end, right? Got legitimate Intel as to just how good Connor is in the gym through sparring sessions, through whatever. And maybe in his own mind, he's like, we go down to eight ounce gloves. It makes it look like I'm giving him a concession. But in reality, it also gives me a chance to finish him quicker because although Floyd is not a knockout artist has never been, there's one thing that happens in a fight. If you pursue Floyd recklessly, he will find your chin. And, you know, you watch the Ricky Hatton fight from 2007, a great example. He yeah. will actually get you out of there. So you have to wonder if Floyd is just thinking, look, this guy has one chance to beat me and he's going to have to be reckless to do it. And if I'm wearing eight ounce gloves, I'm going to have an easier time at ending my career with this moment. And what, what is his career legacy the last few years? It's that he makes you spend a lot of money and you don't get the entertainment back for it. That's like really to a casual fan. That's the real legacy. Now Floyd's got a chance to knock somebody out and be like 50 and oh guys walking away with hundreds of millions. Don't you ever say anything again that I didn't entertain you. Like I'm wondering if that's more of the motive. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I was having a conversation with a coworker the other day and and it seems like, you know, if, if you, I mean, I mean the conventional wisdom, the, the, well, I guess to use the phrase conventional wisdom, the conventional wisdom of this fight is that, you know, Connor's got one shot and it, and that's why he's saying, that's why he's, that's why he's calling the early round knockout. You know I mean? It, it, if he doesn't, if he doesn't finish it in the first three or maybe four, then it's hard to imagine that he's even going to be, you know, is, that he's even going to have sturdy legs by the sixth round. You know, he's, he's just not a boxer, you know, he's not, he hasn't done this before. And so, I mean, that's, but, but even that is a, is a, you know, shoot the moon sort of prediction. Uh, they, but but it seems like other people, you know, the, the other side is that Mayweather waits fighters out. You know, he plays good defense, whatever. But I think if you're in the ring with somebody who's totally gassed and is not a boxer and it's the fifth round or the sixth round or whatever, I mean, Mayweather's going to start swinging. I mean, it, it's it, it's it, it's a it's a waste of his time to not to. I mean, he, he's not a defensive fighter because he doesn't know how to throw a punch. He's a great fighter. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in his biggest matches, if you notice the last four rounds, that's when he's the most offensive because his opponent is so gassed, both cardiovascularly, but also mentally because of the mental fatigue Floyd puts on you because you're chasing him around and you can't catch up to him. Meanwhile, he's always minimizing his en energy. He's just constantly you know, leaning to the left or right to avoid your punches or tying you up. Meanwhile, you are emptying your tank of your willpower, not just your, you know, your stamina coming in. And then he walks you down and at the, you know, it's, it's just in some fights tries to get you out of there. I just don't see a scenario to, to the point you made that there's a chance Connor's there after round six or seven at the very most. If Connor's still somehow there at that point, to me, that shows that he was a much better boxer and much more dangerous than any of us had right to give him credit for. And he gave Floyd legitimate pause enough not to try to get him out of there earlier. I just don't see that happening. And if it somehow does. Do you realize the amount of energy he's going to have to dump 
to be competitive in this fight, to have a chance to win rounds because in a chess match, in a battle of technique, he's got no chance, no chance in this because guess what? Canelo Alvarez had no chance and he's the middleweight champion of the world and only has one loss, right? Manny Pacquiao after a few rounds kind of had no chance. The only way he's going to do this is empty an extreme amount of energy in trying to do so and come sixth or seventh round, no matter if he's doing better than we thought or not, he's going to be gassed and it's going to be picking off the bones. So it comes down to this shoe. If I'm Conor McGregor, what's the best way to save face? What's in this situation, if you're limited and you're not going to go in there and shock the world, to me, the best way to save face is not a DQ upset or something ridiculous like that. It's going out on your shield and you say, look, I took on a fight is crazy for me to even enter into. I gave it my best. I went out on my back and now I'm sure you want to see me try again against somebody else. I think that's the best avenue for him to take. Well, I mean, the funny thing is that it seems like, you know, McGregor has been spending as much time setting up future fights in the boxing world as it has with, I mean, the past few weeks as, as, as opposed to, to cementing this, I mean, this Mayweather rivalry, although I guess that's sort of a done deal. I want to talk to you about boxing writers. You're there on the ground in Las Vegas right now. You wrote a great piece uh, yesterday, the day before about this being the pinnacle of Mayweather's career, like it or not. Uh, everybody check that out on, on, uh, on CBS sports.com. Um, you know, I one of my favorite pieces of writing about this fight, uh, just because of its like arch point of view, was a piece that Charles Farrell wrote for Deadspin that was beautifully titled "Floyd Mayweather Jr. versus Conor McGregor is the second biggest possible fuck you." And it's he's he's an old time boxing trainer and writer, I believe, and 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 he basically he hadn't even watched any of like he had no idea who McGregor was and didn't have any interest in finding out because he was so offended by the premise of the fight, and he finally watched all the training videos and was just like, he's either scamming us, he's either sandbagging in these videos, or this is the boxing apocalypse, you know, basically. Um, it, you know, it's interesting because this is going to be a, I mean, an enormous pay-per-view buy rate. You know, it's like everybody's going to be talking about it at least until, you know, 24 hours later when the Game of Thrones finale comes on. It's the, you know, it's, it's one of the biggest sporting events in recent memory. And yet... It's so unconventional, you know, I mean, it's just like every every I mean, it seems like every other boxing writer in the world is offended by the existence of this fight. What is the what is the vibe on the ground? I mean, is, is there is there one, you know, to, to what I just said, or are, are the writers that you encounter, you know, hyped or offended or and two, does anybody give McGregor a shot in the from the from the uh, the writing world? Nobody from the boxing writing side gives McGregor a shot. Are they offended at the idea that Floyd would, you know, come out of retirement and go 50 and 0 in this type of setup to, you know, break the mythical Rocky Marciano uh, unbeaten record that he retired when he was heavyweight champion in the 50s? Yeah, completely offended because like this is an exhibition match in a lot of ways. This is this has more to in relation with like Pride MMA in Japan in the in the mid 2000s or Bellator MMA with like the carnival fights they're doing now than an actually competitive fight, especially from the boxing point of view. There's a little bit of an offense. There's also a weird marriage going on to get really inside baseball with you of like the boxing and MMA media coming together. And there's certain people like me who cross over to both sides. But for the most part, it's like being at a wedding with like two opposite sides of the family that all have to sort of co coexist here. Boxing is like 
the writers are like, yeah, get this away from me. Why do I have to touch this? Why do I have to be a part of the charade? But there's this interesting element to the promotion that sort of supersedes anyone writing these really thoughtful think pieces, which is like this fight offends me and it should offend you too. And if you give your money, you know, you have no character or moral code, which by the way, to a certain degree, all these think pieces are correct. But out of any fight I've ever seen, this fight challenges you not to watch, not to miss it more than any fight I've ever seen. It basically says, I dare you not to watch this because I I know you can't because everybody that wrote those pieces Saturday night at midnight will find a way to see what happens because it's like the ultimate side of the road accident that you can't turn away from the ultimate reality trashy show with like pro wrestling elements and scripted reality mixed in that it's to the point where it's so shameless that you have to give in and say, I have to see what happens because there's too much at stake here. There's Floyd's unbeaten career record. If Connor wins, he's like this generation's Muhammad Ali and probably goes into boxing and becomes its biggest star we've seen in decades. I mean, it's this weird connection between real and fake and sensationalism that even boxing's old guard, like me, by the way, says, I don't know if I want to be here this week. But Saturday night at midnight, I don't want to be anywhere else but the third row in that media area to watch it up close. Yeah, I mean, obviously this fight is unprecedented in many ways. But I feel like a lot of the a lot of the things that people are really like getting stuck on are, are you know, you know, oddly parts of boxing lore. You know, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think race baiting in pro sports is even remotely appropriate in 2017. But let's not let's not act like this is the first time that someone's you know that someone's you know pulled that shtick that McGregor was pulling in the in the Brooklyn presser in the boxing world. I mean Muhammad Ali was doing that stuff, you know. And it's not the first time that somebody's rolled out a tomato can, uh, you know, with with a who, who fits the description of what the the fans want to see to take on a you know a world class boxer. This is just like all of that to this crazy nth degree. Uh, would you agree with that? I agree with that completely. I mean, did anyone watch Tyson McNeely when he came out of jail? Right. Did anyone watch? I'm sorry, Larry Holmes versus Jerry Cooney, which had incredible race uh, undertones in that. And it's like it's it's unprecedented. It's ridiculous. But back to that original point you said about my piece, it's par for the course for Mayweather. Like this is his graduation. This is everything he wanted. Conor McGregor is the opponent that Floyd wanted in his dreams for years. Somebody who could talk better than him, who brings some sort of facade of a real badass fighting background. And it'll bring with him fans and even MMA journalists who are like legitimately giving him a strong chance to win. This is everything Mayweather wanted for his own legacy. And it's sort of consistent with the fact that Mayweather never tried to be Sugar Ray Leonard, never tried to be the champion of my dreams. He's trying to be the champion of his own dreams, which is let me exit the sport with an obscene bank account and very little damage taken. Because what does boxing do? It's like this corrupt sport with the broken system. It's the wild, wild west. The fighters always get taken advantage of. Floyd is actually the first guy to break that mold and take advantage of not just the sport, but its consumers. And while we Rip it from the boxing point of view because it's like, man, dude, if you're going to come back, fight an unbeaten champion, fight a real fight. At some point, you have to take a step back and be like, Floyd, like you did it, man. Like you you did everything you ever set out to do. And like I said, I may not like it, but I'm still going to watch it. It's like the most bizarre sporting event you ever could have created. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. I think that the, the interesting thing is that, you know, talking about the writing and the think pieces, Floyd has put himself in a great position where, despite all these people saying this, this is a travesty to the sport and the buildup, 
you know, we're in an MMA world right now. And if Floyd wins, if Floyd dominates, then then he can also go out as the savior of boxing in a certain way. You know, I mean, he's he's defended the sport against all of the, you know, barroom arguments about about which sport, you know, breeds the better fighters. It's a great point, because like the 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 casual fan view is like still 20 years dated. Right. I was just having a conversation with my dad about this fight and he's like, they still don't wear gloves in MMA. Right. There's like no weight classes. It's like people still think that like it's cage fighting. It's this like ridiculous thing that we're not, you know, all the way adapted to this point where it's like a legitimized sport. So there's still that idea that is a boxer greater than an MMA. Cause you know, MMA fighter, a lot of people still have the image of UFC one and seeing Art Jimerson in there in the UFC cage with one boxing glove. So there's still that (laughs) element of like sport versus sport who can be the champion of the sport and settle the debate when there's no debate, right? It's like, it's like apples and oranges, but look, this, it's, it once again proves This fight is not being aimed at MMA or boxing fans or even sports fans. This fight is being aimed at the fact that I have voicemails on my phone right now from relatives I don't talk to or who are like, hey, did you hear about this fight? Any chance you're going to be there? Like, that's what that's where we are with this thing. Yeah. To all those relatives out there, the text messages and voicemails when you're like covering covering an event on the weekend are not going to get returned. I mean, you you might you might you might send back the uh, the polite text on Monday or something like that. But it's a you know you're, we're, we're, we writers are deeply embedded when this stuff's going on. Um, so I want to talk about the, what happens after the fight. Um, if Mayweather wins, presumably he will he will re-retire, and who knows if he'll ever come back out. But you know, on the Mayweather side, what what is what is the legacy? Uh, and, and and maybe what is a legacy depending on what round he wins it in and how he wins it. And then on the flip side, I mean, I think we can imagine what happens if McGregor wins, but but what happens for, for McGregor's career if he loses? All right. If, uh, if, if Mayweather wins really in any form, it doesn't really change how we already think of him in boxing. It's going to be the same thing. He's just going to be $300 million richer, right? Like that's the bottom line on that. McGregor can get out of this. And I sort of mentioned it earlier, you know, with respect, if he go, if he, if he fights hard and goes out on his shield, doesn't try to disqualify himself, doesn't try to, you know, outpoint Floyd from the outside and just think I'm going to try to go the distance and cash my check. It depends on how good he can look though. He's, if he looks pretty good or if at least he looks pretty aggressive and fun to watch, he's going to have options after this to go back to boxing because the bottom line, no matter what fight he would pick in boxing is still going to pay him four to five times more than any UFC fight could unless Dana White and company realize what's going on. And I'm, I'm sure they're smart enough too, and just clear out a giant chunk of money that breaks all of their own payment records and just says, Connor, I don't care anymore. We need you in the octagon no matter what, or even to the point, which is there was a, there was a little interesting situation where Dana White had a Zufa boxing t-shirt on at two of the four dates of the international press tour, right? What's Zufa? It's the former owner of the UFC, the Fertitta brothers. They sold last year. There's the idea that maybe Dana White in the UFC would try to promote Connor's boxing matches moving forward. But the whole point is Connor loses to Floyd. You can still make Connor against Paulie Malignaggi, the retired champion turned broadcaster, because there's a built-in pro wrestling storyline. And shoo, that fight probably does like a million and a half pay-per-view buys. It just shows you that Connor win or lose probably goes back to boxing quicker than he lines up for these hungry young guys named Tony Ferguson, Khabib Nurmagomedov who want to eat his soul inside the cage for much less money. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because 
when when I mean, I, I kept asking myself for the first chunk of the promo tour, like, what is Dana White doing here? You know, I mean, it just seemed like he had just sort of like snuck his way into the on, on, snuck his way onto the stage. But it's funny because he's a guy with the boxing background, um, and and he you know he went to UFC and and helped build the the sport of MMA into the place it is right now. I mean, very few people could claim as much credit as him, and. But it almost seems like he's become what the sort of promoter that boxing needs. Because I mean, this, if if there's anything this fight has proved, has shown us, it's that people want big names and blood feuds more than they care about, you know, world rankings or uh, or, or actual, you know, in ring skill. Yeah, they need a promoter that that breaks the rules of the the typical boxing structure right now, which is why boxing is so jaded and, and broken and stuck, you know, 30 years in reverse. It's because everybody's trying to get their piece of the pie and everybody's kind of it's a, it's like this giant mess. Dana could splash that market because what made the UFC work when him and the Fertitta brothers bought it 15 years ago and took it out of like, you know, t- took it out of infamy. Basically, they basically said we're boxing fans. And these five or six things aren't happening anymore in boxing. So we're going to implement them into MMA and make it work. And what does it take to be a successful boxing promoter? Because by the way, everyone's tried from Sugar Ray Leonard to 50 Cent to Jay-Z, and they've tried unsuccessfully. You need a lot of money, which by the way, Dana White and the Fertitta brothers have a ton after that $4 billion UFC sale last year. And you need the idea and structure of promotion, specifically fight promotion, which they are the masters at. It would not surprise me at all if especially if they took McGregor and made him the face, if that's the direction they go. I mean, it just makes too much sense. Dana White's an old school boxing fan who still loves boxing and shows up to the fights and talks about what that sport doesn't have anymore. He already saved and fixed MMA. If you really want to paint his mythology, why can't he do the same to boxing? I'm already writing the spinoff narrative in my mind right now. (laughs) I mean, it is, it just seems like, it seems like such a natural fit and such an unconventional fit, you know, it's in, at the same time. And, and I think if, but if Dana White has proven us, proven anything to us, it's that, you know, you can't, you can't underestimate the guy. Uh, and it's the same thing for Conor McGregor. Now, I think that, the, you know, the one angle, and, and you touched on this earlier, that, you know, that, that uh, the future of boxing, if it, if it looks like this has, is that I think there's a perception in the you know kind of post Mike Tyson world that bo- that that the world of boxing is a little bit too refined and it sounds crazy when you're talking about guys throwing fists at each other but you know the I mean just the way that the sport has evolved and Mayweather is a huge part of this is that it's a it's it's more of a it's more of a mental game a defensive game and you know because be, it's just a, just a little bit alien to to the way that people imagine boxing uh, I think part of what Mag- the charm of of Conor McGregor is that he has this like animal ruthlessness uh, because he comes from MMA. Uh, do you, I mean, do you think that there's something to that? Do you think that there's a way that boxing can 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 gain some of that that MMA vibe back? Absolutely, because like just talking Dana White for a second, the greatest thing he did to the UFC was constantly make the best fight the best, no matter what and make them fight the best like every three to four months. So you always get the fight that as fans that you would dream of. If he brought that to boxing with the spirit of Conor McGregor, which in his UFC run, obviously the idea of daring to be great. He did that every single fight, was always willing to move up and wait, always willing to take people on last minute notice. That would be such an incredible change because of what you mentioned. The Mayweather era 
has really spoiled the boxing game because Mayweather set a precedent that no other boxers can live up to because they don't have his equal level of markability and incredible all-time skill and defensive ability and ability to, to refine himself. He's a boxing businessman who removed all the risk out of his biggest fights, right? And disarmed his opponents and also removed the entertainment factor. And it created this sort of new system where, yeah, you try to point to win. It's not as much of a recklessness. You know, you go back and watch Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearns, Marvin Hagler. Those guys were willing to empty the jar in every big fight and always take on the next biggest guy because they never wanted anybody to believe that they weren't the best at that time. Like, right. Oh, there's somebody out there. You think that's better than me? I got to take on that guy to prove you wrong. This new generation. And by the way, this new generation is sort of underwritten with the belief why take extra damage on your brain when you don't have to? So you have to do pull the brakes on whenever you when you when you rip Floyd Mayweather and his legacy. You do have to say he didn't fight the people we wanted to when he, we wanted to, but he's also going to exit the sport with his brain intact. That's pretty damn good. But that doesn't mean you get the most entertaining fights when you have that mindset. Could Dana White in the UFC and in Conor McGregor and the idea of making fun freak fights or just making, you know, the craziest fight you can think of at any given time, that would be incredible for boxing from the standpoint of creating crossover fans again, bringing back the old jaded fans and bringing a boost to this business. But the one problem you have with this whole, you know, ideal utopia is that boxing is a broken system of a bunch of individual cooks in one kitchen not getting along and not wanting to work together, whereas the UFC has monopolized their own league inside the MMA world that they can make their own rules that everybody has to live by. For Dana White to fully do this idea of changing boxing, he would have to create his own individual league with his own individual rules and over time, you know, wear everybody else down, all the old guards, the Bob Arams, the, you know, who, whatever left of Don King, it would, it would be an incredible miracle. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. It'd be really fun to watch though. Yeah. I mean, it looked like Al Heyman was sort of like, you know, ma- taking a stab at that sort of, at that sort of arrangement, but you know, it's, it's, it certainly didn't take off to the degree that, uh, that, that he had hoped. I think that he didn't, make, he didn't make the best against the best. That's really the bottom line. Why the PBC, the Al Heyman project didn't work because it wasn't the best against the best. There wasn't a timeline of if I beat this guy, then I fight this guy. There yeah. wasn't any of that. And that killed it. Yeah, it's true. Um, you know, it, it'll be, it, man, there, there's a lot of interesting, uh, I mean, just a, there's a whole interesting world that's going to spin out of this fight. Um, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't, if I didn't bring up, uh, you know, some of the darker elements of it. And I think to some extent, the difficulty that, that, that the fight sports in general have in 2017 with sort of, re, you know, reclaiming the, the, the places that, like I said, at the top of the show, the sport of Kings, um, are you know some of the darker parts of the personalities of the fighters in this and 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 you know this Saturday is like what people are calling the fight of the century and and you have on one side you know Mayweather maybe one of the greatest of all time who's who's you know personal life and and you know the things that the things that he's done outside the ring are just you know deplorable and you know Conor McGregor who sometimes seems like a really good guy but then goes out and and runs this like dance for me boy shtick at press conferences <laughs> I mean how do you as a writer uh, I mean, I, and you've dealt with this pretty deftly, but do you, do you, how do you how do you deal with that when you're covering a fight, and especially a fight of this magnitude? Uh, and do you think there's do you think that there's a there's a right way or a wrong way? It's weird. It's like boxing is a time warp. There are things that go on, things that are said by fighters on a regular basis. That you know, if Tom Brady had said any of those he'd probably, you know, be suspended or it'd be in national headlines every single day. And that time warp class, it brings a classic sense, not, not always in a great way, but it also prohibits boxing from taking that next big step. 
The other side of it is it's like you can't put lipstick on a pig. It's the fight game. And the people that enter the fight game are usually people that come from pretty, you know, pretty rough backgrounds where this is their only avenue towards towards, you know, some some safety in life and some financial success. And it creates craziness, not to mention the fact that if your job for a living is to go in there and punch somebody else in the face, you're probably pretty crazy to begin with. So there's only so much you can do to clean up the sport. As a longtime coverage, uh, you know, uh, journalist of the sport, longtime fan, I don't get bent out of shape at that side of it, at the, at the fighters' prison records, at the things they say. The things that give me pause, of course, are where we are in the advancement of brain studies and the idea of watching fighters get con- routinely. That's the thing in really rough and brutal fights, and there's deaths in the ring every year, right? You know, it's not always the biggest names fighters, but this is a brutal sport with a huge consequence at the end of it. Uh, you know, no different than MMA or even the NFL to a certain degree, but this is right in your face when you see it. That's the toughest part in covering it. The other side of it is almost like it's the Wild West, and sometimes that makes it fun. Sometimes it it, it makes you feel gross. But how good can you feel watching a boxing match? You're sort of watching it because you like connecting with the past and you like feeling a little bit of an edge and a dirtiness and a rawness. That's why you get into it to begin with. So I don't like when I watch these fights in Europe and there's all these people showing up in tuxedos to a boxing match. <laughs> that's that, that's not what this is about, right? This is a fight. This, you know, you it's like in the schoolyard, you run to the idea of a fight to see it firsthand. There's just that raw energy. That's really ultimately what it's all about. And to have that, you have to have the other stuff that goes around it. Yeah, I mean, I think you probably agree with me that there's a difference between being the sort of guy who 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 gets into bar fights and in, in you know when in his off hours and being the sort of guy who hits his girlfriend. But but I but I take but I think you make the right point that 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 there's you know there's all kinds of personalities and and you know the 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 concussion the the, the you know the the brain damage that, that these guys are taking is is you know would is a is a huge deal and would be would be an even bigger deal i think if boxing were were you know had a bigger platform and i mean that's why we see it so much in the in the nfl and that kind of conversation you mentioned tom brady uh not being able to get away with any of this stuff uh, a tweet just came across my computer screen that floyd said that uh that his close friend tom brady texted him uh to, <laughs> to wish it to wish him good luck in the fight so that seems that seems pretty much par for the course for Tom, for Tom Brady these days. Um, I wonder if Floyd's good friend Paul Levesque did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, uh, we're gonna we're I'm gonna let you go in just a second. Are you making a pick? Have you made a pick? Do you have a prediction for how this fight's gonna play out? Yeah, my prediction is Mayweather by fifth round TKO. So are we going to get the entertainment value for our bucks under that scenario? You better believe we are. I do think the first two rounds will be fun because McGregor is going to come out of House of Fire or he's going to have to at the very least. He's going to give different looks that we don't see in boxing, bring some MMA stances, bring some unpredictability to the mix. I don't think it will lead to him hurting Floyd or landing much clean, but I think it'll lead to him putting on the kind of pressure that's fun to watch that you don't normally see Floyd under the kind of, you know, do a little bit, do some dirty stuff, get warned a few times by the ref. Eventually though, Floyd picks up your patterns and rhythms, no matter how, you know, non-traditional they are. And then he sets his feet down on the ground, lands those counter right hands, and he starts to pick you apart. And there's going to become a point around the third or fourth round where McGregor is going to have to make that decision that all Floyd opponents do. And that decision is, am I willing to be aggressive enough to actually get knocked out? 
In this case, I think Connor is crazy enough to think that he's going to have a chance to win every second of that fight. And I think he's going to empty the tank and get stopped after a pair of knockdowns in the fifth round. I mean, the funny thing is that for McGregor, it's both the crazy decision and the logical decision, because I don't think he there, I don't think there's any way he has the defensive skills to stand there. I mean, to just to wait the clock out against Mayweather. No, it's like you've been caught in a spider web and you know it. What's you know, what's your natural reaction? Keep trying to fight and tear that spider and try to kill that spider. That's the only chance in the spot. Well, that's uh, <laughs> it's going to be something, man. I mean, it's it, it's so rare that we go into something into an event this big and actually have no idea. I mean, we I mean, yeah, I think that the, I think that having confidence in, in Mayweather is 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 by far like the, the smartest thing. But. I mean, the, I think the beauty of this fight is that you can really just talk yourself into the insanity of it in 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 any direction. We just don't know. We 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 don't know. And and uh, you know, maybe at the end of Saturday, all of those, uh, like I said before, all of those bar barroom arguments about which sport is better will finally will finally be put to rest. Cage fighters against prize fighters, right? That's the bottom line for most <laughs> people. See who comes out on top. Oh, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to talk to you, as always. And uh, the last time I saw you, we were watching professional wrestling. And uh, and and it's good to talk to you about, about some uh, real sports for a change. Uh, Brian Campbell of CBS, thanks so much, man. Anytime. Enjoy the fight, Shu. You too, man. Thanks again to Brian Campbell. I'm now joined by the ringer's own chuck mendenhall how you doing man good man i'm just uh sitting here in this big uh media tent they've got set up for this fight taking in the action Kenyon martin sitting right in front of me right now and uh that's the kind of atmosphere it is wait is Kenyon martin covering the fight or is he there as a guest or someone <laughs> no so there's this is this is like a, a a double treat because right now in las vegas there's the big three tournament that's going on this big three and three tournament uh that's happened in the mgm grand and so there's a lot of uh, past M uh, NBA stars that are running around along with all the boxing and MMA people. So it just adds to the atmosphere, man, this uh, this crazy circus atmosphere that's going on here. It's absolutely nuts. And that's that, um, part of the reason I wanted to talk to you. Or part of the, th what the main thing I want to talk to you about is uh, is just what's going on on the ground. I mean, you've covered a lot of fights in your time. You 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 cover... UFC a lot for the ringer and but but this has got to be this has got to be the all-time just on the ground scene in Vegas right now right man for once we're not slumming it brother this is like one of these weird situations where you know there's food being catered here and uh there's a, a fully operational coffee bar I mean it's just <laughs> we're used to like just showing up to these events and um it's just kind of a gonzo feel even for the UFC so this is like um a big UFC event times 10 but it, it's it's interesting because, you know, in the, in the space, you could, you could be looking across this room right now and I see, I'm at Radio Row, but you'll see like a, a guy that I know is an MMA blogger who's not real well known. And then right next to him is, you know, Brett Musburger. And that's the kind of, that's the gamut. You know what I mean? That's the gamut that's going on in here right now. Um, but this is definitely like, it's, they're handling it with, um, with real professional, you know, catering and everything else. So, man, I'm, I'm I'm kind of in heaven sitting in here, man. Air conditioning. It's just uh, it's 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 been fun. Well, enjoy enjoy it while it lasts. We have no idea if the fight on Saturday <laughs> is gonna is gonna go for like ten seconds or twelve rounds. Um, what's what is the general feel? I talked to Brian a little bit about this earlier, but what's what do you, what's the general vibe that you're getting from the writers around you as far as like what you know how how this fight's gonna go? Like, not I'm not asking you what yeah. you think is gonna happen, but what is the tenor of the room? Like, what are people expecting? You know, it's funny because 
the subtext of this fight, or you know, the, whatever you want to call it, is uh, there's a separation between the boxing and MMA worlds trying to mesh here. And it sort of depends, man. I mean, if you're talking to boxing people who don't have a full understanding of what Conor McGregor has been able to do in his career, you know, just the, the series of escalations in his career, they think it's going to be an easy fight. Um, and, and, and yesterday during the press conference, you know, Conor was like, you know, doing his typical thing, just being very confident and saying um, blowhard things about what he's going to do. And there was open cackling behind me from some of the boxing media. It's just one of those weird situations, man, because I feel like those people just haven't really followed Conor McGregor um, enough to really take him seriously. And then you get the other side of the, the, the coin, which is, you know, the MMA the MMA people who know who Floyd Mayweather's, but they've never probably watched a full Floyd Mayweather fight. They don't know that a lot of times when a guy's trying to pin him into a corner, take an angle and swings at him that, you know, Floyd reappears on the other side of the ring. You know what I mean? Like he's just that elusive and um, you get a little bit of a, an overcockiness that way. So I think it really just depends on which side these guys are coming from. But I, what I'm realizing is there's very few people who are versed in both, you know, that really truly understand what's going on from both sides of it. And, uh, so if you get somebody who who has a little bit of knowledge both ways, I feel like they're the most valuable people in this in this tent right now because <laughs> there's just so very few of them. Yeah, well, I'm, that's why I'm glad you're there uh, and, and and writing for the Ringer. If, if for people listening, to this Chuck's already written a couple people pieces in the past and 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 is uh, sort of writing live from uh from from the from the ground there. So please go to the ringer.com yeah. and check that out. Um, you know, it, it's weird because I mean, this basically going off of what you just said, it, it's almost as if the 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 fight writing world is as perplexed by this thing as the fans are. You know, where everyone's everyone's looking to their to you know to to the the writers to to give them an idea of what's going on, and I think that you know, even if you just assume that Mayweather's going to dominate, there's still this giant question mark. You know, we just don't know right. what's going to happen when the when the bell rings on Saturday. It's true. Uh, last night, so I went. To, uh, Floyd had put out a tweet earlier in the week, or maybe it was last week, that he's going to be hanging out all week. And I, I mentioned this in the Ringer piece yesterday at his girl collection um, strip joint that he owns here in Vegas. <laughs> and so I, last night I went there just to basically see if he's really there. <laughs> and wait, I, wait, I hung wait. around. Um, Hold on. Wait, can, I hung it, around. Is it fair to say that you were there for the articles? Is that is that it? Yeah, so I was. I was truly there for the articles. He actually brought me upstairs to his private, um, you know, it's like his private room up there where I guess he takes in the action, sometimes makes it rain with all of his bills and everything down on the on the crowd and the girls. So I'm up there and I'm, uh, I'm talking to a couple of his guys that basically he's have been around him the whole way. And just below me, there's Tony Tucker, you know, who, uh, you know, who fought Mike Tyson um, back in like 87, one of the few guys to go the full distance with him during that crazy rain in the, the late eighties. And you, you're just seeing the scene and you think, man, this is, this is really crazy um, to see all this, you know, and that this guy will, you know, that this guy who's been lived in this boxing, like he's got, he's the history of boxing really with his family and everything else, very lived in stardom that is absent in MMA. You just don't have a lot of it. I would say that Conor McGregor is really the closest representation of a guy who has, um, you know, some kind of like a transcendent star quality where you feel like he's been around it long enough to have a big picture view at all times. So it's, it was just bizarre to see it. And so I hung out there until 1.30 a.m. Pacific time. 
And apparently, from the guys who outlasted me, he showed he finally rolled in around 3 a.m. <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm, you're thinking, like, that's how serious, you know, Mayweather's taking the fight on one level. Because I know this is what I realized is he's a vampire, apparently, because apparently he goes to sleep around 5 a.m. and gets up at 1 p.m. is what I'm hearing. But these types of things, man, I'm just like, I, I don't know. This it, The whole thing, it's almost like no matter which way you look on this, it just it leads down another you know Alice in Wonderland crazy rabbit hole. I mean it's just really really weird, man. And my point of this big long harangue, I, you know, there's a couple of other people there that have the exact same idea. I know that Dan Wetzel. Um, I I left around one thirty, and uh, Dan Wetzel was with Yahoo. I think he showed up right at that moment, and he actually wrote a piece, basically doing the exact same thing, showing up to the strip joint and. Um, some of the people who kind of have a grasp of both sides of the sport are searching out these types of stories. That's the kind of atmosphere it is. Um, and man, I'll tell you what, I feel like no matter what you do here, there's a story. <laughs> it's like everybody's got some kind of story they want to tell. Everybody's got a completely different opinion. Um, and most of the people at Lloyd's club, obviously, and the guys who have been around him really regarded this, including Tony Tucker and a couple of those as an easy fight. Um, and again, it just goes back to the type of thing where you think, I don't know how much they truly know of Conor McGregor. And I really don't know if Conor has a chance in this fight, but the level of dismissiveness on that, the, 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 that you see coming out of the, the, the more boxing side of it is at times like it, it starts to feel like overconfidence where you think, oh, you know, this could be what happens if Conor wins. This then turns into something that's, you know, unthinkable in that boxing community. So, there's a part of me that you know wants to see the continued chaos of what would happen in a world where Conor McGregor wins this fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, it's exactly right. I mean, first, I mean, but you you mentioned you mentioned Dan Wetzel. He's written some of my favorite some of my some of my favorite pieces uh, in the run up to the fight. So shout out to Dan. But the um, but yeah, I mean, it's I, I think that you know there's a perception and 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 I've ta- and I've said it myself that Conor's only chance in the fight is is a big swing and in, in the first or second round. Um, but on, yeah. but but if you take it take it a step back further than that, his real only chance in this fight is if is if Mayweather is as dismissive of, of him as the people you're you know the writers you're talking about on the ground, right? I mean the the, yeah. the only way he has a shot is if is if Mayweather is uh is slacking off. I, I think so, man. And you know, just having followed the lead up to this fight, I know that Conor McGregor fully believes he's going to win. That's 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 in his makeup. And even talking to his faction, you know, guys like uh, John Cavanaugh, who's a longtime coach, and Owen Roddy, and a couple of the guys who've been around him, they talk about it like it's a foregone conclusion. They're really just dissecting which round it happens in. But a lot of their predictions are more, you know, in the range of like an early fight, especially with the um, reduction in the gloves down to eight ounces. They think that he gets it done within the first couple rounds. Um, I honestly think that that's, you know, if it gets past maybe the third or fourth round, you got to believe that it's going to be Floyd's fight. He's just used to it. He's fought in the eight ounce gloves. I think 46 of his 49 professional bouts. He's very comfortable there. He's very comfortable in Vegas. Um, you know, obviously like he's, he's that, that strip joint I'm at last night is like a home away from home for him. Um, he's fought at the MGM grand. Like, so all the people around him, he's very used to this whole thing. Um, and he's in great condition, man. Just from like what I've been able to, you know, see from the open workout um, that went on and everything, like he's in great condition. I honestly just think that, you know, if he goes past maybe the fourth or fifth round, you're just going to see him do what he does and and uh, start, uh, you know, putting cumulative toll on Conor McGregor. And I just don't think Conor will be able to last, you know, 
into those middle rounds, uh, going into the late rounds. I don't think he'd be able to last cardio-wise, you know, come from the MMA world, or skill-wise. I think he's going to get picked apart. And the one thing that I really think is that he just doesn't, he doesn't really respect uh, Floyd's punching power. And that's going to – so the first couple rounds will be very exciting because I think he's going to try to wade right in there and get into boxing range and try to knock him out. But beyond that, you could see it just becoming a clinic. You know, the typical Floyd Mayweather, um, stand there, let him come in, tag him twice, and then move out. You know, I think that's what you're going to see as the fight goes on. And I wouldn't be surprised if I had to make a prediction, man, like that Floyd just gets it done somewhere in the middle rounds, just putting cumulative toll and, and, uh, and Connor just fading – you know what I mean? And, and and dropping seventh round, eighth round, something like that. Yeah, I mean, the thing about McGregor, and this isn't a, an indictment of him, he's a, he's a top-notch MMA fighter by any estimation, but, you know, he leaves himself open to some to to getting hit in the jaw. You know, and that's part of his style in MMA. You know, I mean, to, to 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 take the big swing, um, you know, yeah. you, you gotta you gotta be you gotta be willing to kind of you know take a glancing blow. The problem is that like you know Mayweather is Mayweather is world class, and his glancing blow is going to hit you square on the jaw. And and uh, right, and it's yeah. I, I just I think that. I think that being dismissive of of you know Floyd's knockout power is is uh, <laughs> is is uh, you know about as reckless as you can get. Yes, it is. So if the one side, if Floyd's side is being um, a little bit um, passe going into this fight, I think that there's a delusion on the other end from Conor McGregor that he'll be able to wade through those punches for any length of time to try to land his. I know he's completely willing to eat some, to land some. Um, and I just don't think when you're dealing with a guy who's basically a, um, you know, a clinical fighter, like he, he, he really is the, uh, of our era, the most elusive, um, you know, guy that's, that stepped in there 49 and oh, it's been proven a million times. Doesn't get hit that often. It's just a, it, it's a little delusional to think he's going to be able to wade through those punches and not take some kind of toll that will, uh, you know, mount up to a point where it's going to, begin to stop him at some point along the way. So I think that really the, the Conor McGregor camp is just banking on the fact that in those first few rounds that they'll get it done. And I think after that, there's going to be an, an improv process. So they've talked about like, you know, he's kind of approaching this as a mixed martial artist, that he's solving a puzzle in there as it goes. But I just think, but as it goes into the fourth, fifth round, I mean, if anything, Floyd has proven a million times that he knows how to kind of figure out the rhythm of the fight and cadence of the fight and all that stuff. And it'll be him that's dictating the tempo there on in. But uh, it's, it should be very, very interesting. I think the most exciting part of this fight though, will be the walkouts. And then first, the, the, the first two rounds. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I'll circle back around to the walkouts because I, that's, I, I got it. That's gotta be, you know, so I'm looking forward to that very much, but um, to take on what, I mean, to, to, to go back to what you said, I mean, the, Mayweather's overconfidence, and this is something you've written about on The Ringer, Mayweather's overconfidence is part of the DNA that makes him as good as he is, right? I mean, sorry, McGregor, yeah, McGregor's yeah. overconfidence is part of what makes him as good as he is. Uh, he, I mean, it's, it, you you know, people, you and others refer to him as Mystic Mac. That's sort of this persona that he has <laughs> where yeah. he calls his shot and then he goes out there and does it. Do you think that that's working against him at this point? Or do you think that that's just like, that's that's the shot that he has, so it's good that he's as confident as he is? I think it's good for him to um, to have the visualization of what he wants to do. And let's face it, man, as crazy as this fight is and as, um, you know, as far-fetched as it seems, it's not hard to imagine 
Conor McGregor after you know after what he's been able to do in the octagon, especially in his last couple of showings, like the, you know to go in there and to be standing over Floyd Mayweather for some reason, like he's so good at painting a visual in the pre-fight that people start to visualize it. It's I, I think that he. You know, that's one of his, you know, this Mr. Mac thing you were mentioning. That's one of his abilities is just to paint for the media and fans like a picture of how he projects it to go that then becomes a collective projection. And uh, it's not hard to imagine that happening. Um, but, you know, imagining it is not the reality. And I think that that's where this is one of those moments where, you know, the, the, we're, any kind of mojo that he's carrying on that level, the Mystic Mac and things, might um, might take a hit. And um, it's it's one of those situations where if he lands, we all know that he has the knockout power. But that's such a big if, and this whole fight is like you know predicated on this like this big if um, of this guy crossing over. So to me, it's great that he believes, you know, uh, that he truly truly believes he's going to get he's going to land that punch or he's going to do something that no guy you know no other boxer has done before. You want to be able to see somebody take the the fight to Floyd. Um, but getting it done, man, that's a whole, that's a whole nother thing. And as much as we've seen mystic Mac kind of standing over like a prone body, uh, after a big knockout, we've seen, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather 49 times getting his, his arm raised at the end of a fight, you know, and getting his belt wrapped around his waist. So it just depends on how you want to look at it, but it doesn't hurt. I guess that the McGregor is using the same visualization tactic and basically, uh, planting, uh, you know, the, this picture and using his mystic Mac power to say like, this is how I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? It doesn't hurt that he's doing that. It helps sell, sell the fight. I just don't think it gets done. Well, people have already started, you know, imagine we talked about it a little bit earlier with Brian, but like, you know, if on the off chance, on the slim, but, but you know, but not insignificant chance that McGregor pulls this off, there's always the question of like, what happens next? And even if he loses, what, you know, what happens next for him? Yeah. But, but for me, if he wins, I just hope he takes that kind of self-actualization that you were talking about and just does something else. Like try to go be an Olympic diver or like, you know, just like have a camera crew follow him where he tries to like believe himself into being like a world-class attorney or something like that. That to yes. me is the, would be the, would be the, the next, the next big step. You mentioned earlier. Well, that, that's absolutely true, man. That's absolutely true. It's, <laughs> it's, it's right. Cause at that point, at that point, literally, if he beats, if he beats Floyd Mayweather, I would make the argument that he's the biggest fight name I, I, you know, he's the biggest fight name since Mike Tyson, certainly. But you could actually start to say that he's Muhammad Ali-esque in that in that realm, and without hyperbole. You know, but just given what he'd been able to accomplish, he's not the guy outside of the cage who's you know made big civic change, and he's not fighting this greater cause for humanity. But inside of like the you know uh, the combat zone, I would be like, man, he is right there with Muhammad Ali at that point. Yeah, and he's got that charisma too. I mean, you know, I mean, there's there's no there's no denying that Mike Tyson had a charisma, but most of his charisma was you know his fist hitting yeah. somebody else in the face. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, and 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 he's he was he was nowhere near the character outside the ring, at least on the level that 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 McGregor is. So, I mean, that would that would I mean, it's just so hard. Yeah, uh, it's so far away to imagine that, but he but it would be ex- absolutely huge. Now, I, I asked uh, I, I asked Brian this, but but I but I want to get your take too. I mean, what, 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 depending on who wins, I mean, take it, take both sides. What is the future for both these fighters? And and honestly, what's the future for boxing? Okay. So let's just say that it goes down as most predict that that Floyd wins, but he just basically disappoints his masses who paid a hundred dollars to get this fight. I believe honestly that this is probably it for him at 40 years old. I just don't think there's much else out there. And as long as there's no outcry for a rematch, I think that that would be it for Floyd. Uh, you know, he's going to cash in one last big nine-digit payday, and he's got his other businesses going on and everything else. So 
I feel like this will probably be his his true swan song. Uh, get to the fifty and zero, and you know that's that. Now, if if McGregor wins, though, this is just one of those situations where it truly is unfathomable. I I was talking about this a little earlier as a as basically a loan from the UFC to go do this uh, to go do this fight. If he wins and becomes like this nine digit man who then um, has you know uh, the fight world crawling out of out of his off his palm, I just I can't imagine a scenario where he goes back, you know, in, um, in the merry sense of, you know, fighting in the UFC, because I just don't see how he's going to get paid on the same level there or have the same sense of escalation, you know, through his fight career. So Dana White, who's been his basically his uh, his circus barker through this whole thing, is wearing his McGregor um, shirts everywhere and assuring everybody he's going to knock him out and, you know, prove all these cynics wrong. He, he, there's got to be a scenario in his mind, too, that's like, well, yes, but. If he wins like that, what what does that mean to the UFC? And um, I think that that's the biggest question. I, th- I think that should he win, it's just obviously that you would have like a a rematch would be discussed depending on how he wins. But I think a rematch would be discussed because both guys know they can, uh, you know, just basically rake in the same payday again. But if he goes over to the to fight in the UFC, the UFC is going to have to come come correct with a with a staggering amount of money that they've never in their business model have uh, have ever offered anybody. It's going to basically um, you know reimagine how guys are paid in that in that structure. So it's it's one of those scenarios you know where the stakes are very strange. If Floyd wins, it's like well of course he won. But if Connor wins, you know everything goes apeshit for a while, and you're not sure actually where it heads at that point. But um, I tell you what, man, that's that's the exhilaration of it. Should he win on Sunday morning, we're talking about Conor McGregor. I just feel like that it'll be like, wow, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean now? And uh, that that question will be sort of fascinating to see how that plays out. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, Brian pointed out earlier that Dana's been wearing this like Zuffa boxing T-shirt around, <laughs> which which may give some indication of his commitment to the UFC at this point. Um, and 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 potentially the you know Conor's future, regardless of whether he wins or loses. Um, you know, you, you, I want to touch on something you said earlier. I mean, you were, you were talking about, you know, Connor's camp thinking that he's going to, that he's going to figure the fight out sort of on the fly in the UFC style. And we all know the, uh, that Mayweather is, is one of the best at sort of like deconstructing and unlocking the keys to a fight while, you know, in the ring. I mean, my, yeah. my biggest hope for this fight and it's, and it, you know, it feels like, it feels like is as you know an unlikely bet, but my biggest hope is that the fight just lasts long enough so we can see these two minds at work. I'm 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 almost more interested in the fighters' brains than in their fists. Yeah, no, one hundred percent, man. And uh, I mean that's been part of the fascination with you know even going back to that uh, that mini world tour that they did, um, how they would react to these basically improvisational stand up gigs that they did with each other through different cities. Um, and then just how they've uh, how they've been able to handle media and fight week and everything else. I feel like the psychological part of this whole thing is really really the fascination, man. Like when it comes down to it, and um, I agree with you 100. percent I would like to see some semblance of a back and forth where it seems like a competitive fight. It'd be, you know, it'd be a it would be a a very surreal moment if you saw. McGregor just connects where you knew he had Floyd hurt, even if it didn't last, where you're just like, whoa, wait a second. This, this narrative is about to shift into something completely crazy here. Um, that would be a lot of fun. You know, just having been to some of the big MMA events where, where stuff like that has happened, you know, when Anderson Silver lost uh, the first time and things like that. Um, it just, it's, it's something happens in the arena when, when something like that happens that, um, 
that's transformative. You know what I mean? So I would love to see a moment at least like that, because I feel like that's where people feel like they got their money's worth when you feel like a plot sort of switching within the fight. Um, so that's all I'm really looking at. And yes, I agree with you though, from even a technical standpoint, you want to see a fight develop because if it starts out one way and then, you know, third round, you start to see a guy change gears and try something else. And then, uh, you know, in the sixth round, it changes again. I mean, those types of things to me have always been the, the true allure of like, um, uh, uh, boxing and MMA, really, when it comes down to it, and especially given these circumstances with uh, with McGregor coming over to fight him in his own realm like that. Well, I agree, and I want to bring this back around. This is a good opportunity to the walkouts. Now, there, there's nothing, you know, one of the most classic forms of the uh, <laughs> of the mental game is uh, is the pre match intimidation in both sports. Would you would you say that the the walkouts on Saturday night are going to be? I mean, I, I think we talked about this before, saying that it was that, that those walkouts might be like the biggest huh. moment in the history of sports. Yeah, I would agree, and especially given the novelty of this fight, and knowing honestly, like this is a shared experience, regardless if you look at it as um, a circus thing or you look at it as a true fight, however you want to look at it, it's still a shared kind of pop culture experience or. People don't want to miss it um, just because of the gravity and for the chance of the, that history actually could be made on some level. Um, those types of things, when when they're in the air and everybody's sort of paying attention, it, it takes it to a whole nother level. And I think that that's when it sets in the most is during these walkouts because it's then becoming actualized. It's actually taking place and uh, you're like, whatever you were kind of holding in reserve, you think like, wow, this is the moment. You know what I mean? So, um I very much look forward to that. I look forward to seeing kind of, um, uh, you know, an integrated crowd like that of boxing and MMA people coming together and, you know, what that atmosphere is, how charged it is, and then just kind of knowing, I guess, if it breaks the, you know, the pay-per-view record, knowing that that, you know, basically millions and millions of people are watching it and um, and that the moment has finally arrived and that they showed up, you know, like there's always these things like um, – People fall out of these, especially in MMA. We've seen it a million times, as you well know, because a couple of my pieces have been altered with guys falling out within like 24 hours. But I think there's also a relief, you know, by that point, because you're like, okay, we got here without any, you know, without any trouble. Well, and at the end of the day, the whole thing has been about hype, right? I mean, it, like if, if if McGregor somehow, Matt, you know, finds a way to win this fight, that'll be incredible. But but the premise of the fight has nothing to do with his ability in the ring. Obviously, he's never been in there. and And so... You know, the walkouts to the ring are just going to be the, you know, the, the moment where all of this hype is at its absolute pinnacle. And then, you know, the bell rings and, and we'll see what happens next. Right. What yeah, you, it's, it's, it's all in that state of anticipation, man. What, so you, you, you said before that, that you were that you're, you know, if you had to make a pick, it would be Mayweather. So you that is that that that's right, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I hate to do it because nothing about this is logical, but when it comes down to it in the end, I think that my mind can't get over the, you know, to the fact that every single thing about this fight is being basically catered towards Mayweather. Um, and a guy who's 49 and 0 fighting in his hometown, uh, you know, eight ounce gloves, everything else. I just feel like you stack those odds with him. He's, he's clearly knows what he's doing. So I just feel like regardless, it doesn't matter if he drags it out through 12 rounds or if he gets it done somewhere in the, in between. I just think that it's his fight to lose. Um, he's so smart, man. He's, he knows what he's doing so good with, um, you know, stay, you know, getting in and out of range. And I think he'll play with McGregor's sense of range because McGregor's always, you know, the, the legs are a big part of MMA and he, he either, keep, he either keeps back 
at you know kickboxing range, or he gets really in close in a clinch situation that doesn't fly in boxing. So he's very rarely just standing with a guy in boxing range, man. And he's, um, I think that that's just something that Mayweather is going to um, figure out, exploit over the course of a fight. How, you know what I mean? It's just too hard. The logic of, of saying, like, guys 49-0 with all those benefits, it's just too hard to say, like, no, nah, he's going to lose. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that uh, one way or another, he's getting it done. Well, I mean, it's it, it's just an insane proposition, and that's what makes this this fight so enthralling, I think, for everybody. Listen, yeah. man, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you you will be writing more for The Ringer this week. Um, but but yep. you know, and I'll and I'll be urgently. I mean, I'll be uh, excitedly uh, opening every text <laughs> message, every text message that you send me to see to see what the, what crazy thing has happened next. But thanks so much for coming on, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Dave. Appreciate it, man. I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the fight. Cool. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks to Chuck Mindenhall. Check out his stuff on theringer.com this week. Thanks to Brian Campbell. Check out his stuff on cbssports.com. And uh, thanks for listening to the Ringer Podcast Network and this very special Mayweather-McGregor edition of The Masked Man Show. Tony Schiavone here on The Masked Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on The Masked Man Show. 